I feel like I'm probably going to need an intervention here pretty soon. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I told you a story about how I got out in the woods and got overheated and I stopped sweating, uh, dehydrated, and kind of got myself into some trouble. I was thinking this week as I was working on my sermon, I was thinking about another time where I got out in the woods and had some problems. Now, this wasn't my fault. I want to make that perfectly clear. I was walking out, taking a little hike, and I crossed this ridge, and I came up on the other side, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this plant jumped out in front of me and attacked me. And uh, it swung at me and hit me in the face, and uh, a thorn went right to my eye. And boy, that hurt. And uh, it hurt enough, I mean, it started watering up, and I could feel there was something there, and couldn't quite, of course, couldn't see it, it's in my eye. So I went to the doctor, went to the ER, and there I met this doctor, and he took me back to the exam room, and he had a, one of those magnifiers, and he looked as close as he could in my eye, got as clear a view, and he still couldn't see everything. So he uh, put these drops in my eyes, he turned the lights off, and he turned this one special light on, and got this magnifier right there, and sure enough, he said, yeah, I can see it in there. He said, thankfully, it didn't puncture your eye, so you're okay there. He said, well, we've got to wash that out, and we've got to give you a tetanus shot, and we've got to give you a bill. And uh, I got all those things. Did not get a sucker. When did they stop giving you suckers when they give you shots? I always, that's my favorite part. Uh, so I got, my, I got my tetanus shot. I got my bill. But, you know, can you imagine if I had walked in there with that tiny little, I mean, he had to use everything he could to see that, that speck in my eye. Can you imagine if I had walked in there and he had a big thorn sticking out of his eye? Or a log sticking out of his eye? Would I have trusted him? If he couldn't even take care of himself, would I have trusted him to help me with my problem? Everybody knows that Jesus said, judge not. I mean, if you don't know anything else about the Bible, you ask the average person on the street who doesn't know anything about the Bible, they'll say, well, I know one thing. The Bible says you're not supposed to judge other people. We, we all know that. But do we really understand what Jesus is saying when he says, judge not? Are we, are we really getting to the heart of what he's saying? It's there in, in Matthew chapter 7 where he says, judge not lest you be judged, for with the measure that you use, it will be measured against you. And it's there in that passage in verse 4 where he says, how can you see your brother who has a speck in his eye and help him when you have a log stuck in your own eye? And he says, you hypocrite. First, remove the log from your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly so you can help the brother who has the speck in his eye. The, the call there is we don't judge people by a standard that we're not willing to live with ourselves. Are we, as willing, to take a, are, are we willing to take as hard a look at our own lives, our own failings, our own sins as we seem to be willing to do for other people? And maybe more to the point, if we were busy worrying about our own logs and our own specks in our eyes, if we were busy taking a hard look at our own problems, maybe we wouldn't have time to judge other people. We've been looking at Paul's letter to this little church in a little town called Colossae. It's a letter to the Colossians. We call this series Called Out because that is the most literal understanding of what church means in the New Testament. It means that we are called out. We are called out from the world around us. We are called out of society and, and society's rules into a, a new rule. We are called out of our sins and our old selves and we're called into a new life. 
Back in chapter 1, we saw that we were called into Christ. Chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said of Jesus, He is the head of the body, which is the church. The called out. In chapter 2, we saw that we were called out and we were called together. In chapter 2, verse Verse 6, there's that command that we are, all of us, together. We are to walk in Him. That's for all of us to do together. And as we move into chapter 3, we're called into a new life where Christ reigns in me and Christ reigns in you. We're going to look at chapter 3 of Colossians, verses 1-11. through 11. Again, if you want to use those Bibles that are in front of you, you can grab one of those Bibles in front of you. It's on page... 984 right there. I want to begin with those first four verses, which I actually read last week in conclusion of chapter 2 because they, they, it blends together so well. Colossians 3, 1-4 through says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. That's, that's our hope right there in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with Him in glory. That's heaven. Someday Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to take us with Him. That's what we're looking forward to. In the meantime, there's a lot of garbage down here. In the meantime, there are a lot of thorns, there's a lot of specks, there's a lot of logs, there's a lot of nasty stuff that gets into our lives. And, and if we're honest, it's not just out here, some of it's in here too. And so since we're called into this new life, there's times when we have to take a close look at what's going on on the inside and remove those specks and those thorns and even the logs that blind us to who we're called to be. Back there at the end of chapter 2, Paul said, if with Christ you have died. And that's a picture of our commitment. It's a picture of our conversion. Really, it's a picture of baptism. When, when we're baptized, we are buried in the water. We are buried with Christ. And he's saying, if this has already happened to you, you're, you're to live a new life. There, there, was, there was an old Brett. He was actually a lot younger than this Brett. But there was an old Brett. And that old Brett before Christ was bent on destruction. He was bent on sin. And that Brett died... And now someone new lives. And so Paul continues that idea in verse 1 where he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. The problem is, sometimes that old dead stuff doesn't stay dead. It doesn't really stay dead. And so we have to take a close look every now and then in our own lives. And we have to ask, is the dead stuff really dead? Is the stuff in me that's supposed to be dead, is it it really dead? And I want to start off by, I want to make something really clear here. Um, if you're here with us today, and you've not yet made a commitment to Christ, uh, if, if you're here today and you don't yet consider yourself to be a Christian, if you're here today because you're visiting, or you're here today because you're, you're kind of curious as to, to what these people are doing, or you're searching for something, if you're here today because you heard we had donuts, uh, well, some of you are like, we have donuts? Well, we had donuts. I'm not talking to you right now. Uh, Verse 1 has another really big if here. If then you have been raised with Christ. So for those of you who have made a commitment, for those of you who have given your life to Christ, who have accepted that call to live differently than the world around us, 
this is a call. Yes, it's a call to holiness. It's a call to purity. But really, it's, it's a call to live like Jesus, to follow Jesus. Look at verses 5, and, 5 through 7 where he describes this call. He tells us, if you've been raised with Christ, then verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these you too once walked when you were living in them. Something should have changed. Verse 7 says, in these you once walked, you used to walk when you were living in them. Something should be different. And I'm guessing not everybody got the memo. You look at that list in verse 5. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness. And I read that and I think, do I need to define what each of those are? Do I need to really give you the definition? Just watch TV. You'll see it. You know, they're, they're all there. They're, they're everywhere. Uh, but the command there is put them to death. And it's a very strong command. He's saying, kill it, kill it, kill it. If you read the old King James, it says, slay utterly. I love that. Slay utterly. Uh, you're not to mess around with these things. This isn't about suppressing your urges. That's not going to do it. This, this isn't about learning to control yourself. That doesn't even touch it. If you have cancer, let's say you've, you've been diagnosed with cancer, and you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, we can do one of two things for you. We can help you learn to control your cancer, or we can kill it. Which one are you going to choose? Do you want to control it? I'm going to kill it. You're going to kill it, right? These things in verse 5, these are cancers. These are cancers in your life. These are cancers in your relationships, and they are cancers in the church. And we are to wipe them out. And no... That's not easy. And yes, I am very thankful for the grace of God. You can't forget that Paul's already identified these people as Christians. He's already called them Christians. He's already said that they are believers. He's already said that they are forgiven, that they are saved. But there is that big if in chapter 1, verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith. These things do not allow you to continue in the faith. In fact, he gets to the last one. He says covetousness. You guys understand covetousness, right? Again, watch TV. You'll see it all the time. Covetousness is, is the desire for things that don't belong to you. Deciding that you need something that God didn't give you, but you need it, and you want to have that, whatever it is or whoever it is, God didn't give that to me, but I'm going to get it. He says covetousness is idolatry. Idolatry is worshiping something other than God. And in fact, all of these things cause you to worship someone other than God. They cause you to worship yourself. God won't tolerate that. In fact, verse 6, he says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Do you remember all those really troubling passages in the Old Testament where the people of Israel go into a village, they go into a nation, and they, they, they make their way in and God tells them to wipe the people out. He says, every man, woman, and child, the livestock, I want it all gone. Just level it all. Flatten it. And we read that and we go, what is going on? 
what, what's, what about this God of love? What about all this happy stuff? Why, why does God act like this? Is He having a temper tantrum? What's happening? Uh, what's happening is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before Me. And if your life is dedicated to sexual immorality, impurity, passions, covetousness, guess what? You, you've made yourself into a God. You've chosen to worship yourself. You've chosen to worship what you want rather than what He wants for you. And he says in verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the beauty of that is, grace has already been provided for this. Grace has already been provided. What are you going to do with God's grace. Because the fact is, Christ can't be seen in us if this stuff is still alive within us. Okay? Jesus can't be seen in us if this stuff is still alive inside of us. So verse 5 has that command, put it to death. Kill it. There's also a command in verse 8. Verse 8's command is, Put these things away. Every spring, as the weather starts getting warmer, I go to my closet and I look at my winter clothes, I look at my long sleeve shirts, I look at my pullovers and stuff like that, and I say, it's time to put these away. And I, I take them all and I fold them up and I put them in a bag and then I get out the vacuum. You get one of those things? You get out the vacuum cleaner and you, you know, it sucks it all up, makes it look like a really big raisin. You know, it takes all the air out, and then I put that up in the top of the closet, and I get out the bags that have my summer clothes, and I get those out, and they stink for some reason. I wash them, and you know, I, I get those things out. I bought some flannel shirts this uh, winter, and uh, I love flannel shirts. I just love flannel. And so I bought flannel shirts, and, and then after all that warm stuff last week, I'm starting to wonder, am I going to get to wear these again? You know, thankfully, I, I did. I wore them yesterday. I wore one yesterday. But you, know, you, you start to wonder, do I need this thing now? Am I going to be able to wear this? Verse 8, he says, this is there in verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And he's saying these things are not appropriate for this season of your life. These things are not appropriate for this season. You've been raised with Christ now. Remember? You've, you've been raised with Christ. You've made that commitment. So these things do not belong in your wardrobe. They don't belong in your heart. They don't belong coming out of your mouth. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do I need to explain these? You guys are familiar with what all of those things are. I don't know that I, I need to explain them. And yet I see them and I hear them. Far too often I, I hear them coming from Christians. Anger, wrath, and malice. Those are sins of disposition. Those are sins of attitude. And yet, Philippians chapter 2 tells us that your attitude should be the very same as that of Christ Jesus. Slander. Man, we tolerate. We tolerate slander far too often. We'll sit and listen to someone talk bad about someone else. We tolerate it from other people. We tolerate it from other Christians. We, we tolerate it from ourselves. We'll sit and listen to someone just, just run someone else down, talk bad about it. 
There needs to be a switch. There needs to be a big switch in your head. When you hear slander, when you start to say slander, just shut that thing off. Don't let it happen. Just, just shut that thing off. Obscene talk. <laughs> All sorts of things come to mind when I think of obscene talk. Paul specifically means abusive talk, speaking abusively to other people. That's the kind of foul mouth that, talk, that Paul is concerned about. And I remind you again what Jesus said. You can't help your brother who has a speck in his eye if you've got a big thorn or a big log in your own eye. You look at those sins. You look especially at anger, malice, and slander. Those are characteristics of bullies, aren't they? Anger, malice, and slander. Those are bullies. I want to tell you, we don't tolerate bullies here. We don't, we don't tolerate bullies. We, we don't let other people bully you, and we're not going to let you bully other people. We're, we're going to take care of that. And, and occasionally we've had trouble with bullies. Adults. Bullies. And, and when we've had that problem, we've confronted it. And at times when we've confronted bullying, again, in adults, and at times when, when we've confronted bullying, we've been criticized for that. And we've been told we need to be a lot more tolerant. Just ignore them. It'll go away. Just, just, just ignore them. You know, that, that's just how they are. Look at verse 8 for me. Does anything in verse 8 say tolerate this in one another? Nothing in verse 8 says tolerate it. Nothing in verse 8 says ignore it. Can we just agree it doesn't belong in the life of a Christian or the life of a church? Can we agree on that? And therefore, if you see it in me, you've got my, you, you've got my permission to call me on it. And I'm going to just assume I have permission to call you on it too. And I will. We will. And it's real easy. You can do it with love. You can do it with a desire for grace. You can do it for, with a desire for healing and a desire for restoration, it's really simple. You just simply have to say, you know, what you just said, I can't hear the love of Christ in that. Is there some way you can say that to where I can hear the love of Christ? Because if you can't, maybe you shouldn't be saying it. It's that simple. Boy, the weather's been nice, right? I mean, look, aside from the last couple of days, the weather's been just amazing, you know, really, really warm. And yet, if I came in here today, as warm as the weather has been, if it was a nice day today like that, it was in the 70s today, and if I came in here today and I was wearing a tube top and shorty shorts, you would say, Brett, that's not appropriate. <laughs> and now that that image is in your mind, it's, it's really not appropriate, right? It's really just, just not even appropriate at all. Anger, wrath. Malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. None of these things are appropriate for a Christian. None of these are appropriate for a Christian. And Paul says, put them all away. He kind of expands that a little bit when he writes to the Ephesians. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 24, he says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your mind 
and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That new self you've got, it sounds really nice. But you can't put it on until you've taken off the old self. And let me remind you, he's not just talking about me and myself. And he's not just talking about you and yourself. He's talking about what we do together. And so together we have to ask, is what's living in me bringing life to what we do as a church? Is what I've allowed to live inside me bringing life to what we do as a church? From the very first chapter of of Colossians, Paul has reminded us that we're in this together. When we come to Christ, we come to new relationships with each other. We are called out. We are called together. We have a responsibility to each other. I love the way he says it in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. In other words, if I have a relationship with Jesus, then I need to treat you, in fact, I need to treat everyone as someone that I have the potential of spending eternity with. I don't treat you according to the flesh. That you're here today and tomorrow gone. That you're corrupt. I have to treat everyone as though there's someone I have the potential of spending eternity with. Verses 9 and 10, he says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after, its Im- after the image of its Creator. <laughs> Do not lie to one another. The way it's phrased, actually, he's saying, stop lying to each other. Paul's not stupid. He knows you're already doing it. He says, stop lying to each other. He knows it's happening. He knows we lie to each other. He says, stop it. That's part of your old life with its old practices, all those things that you've been told to kill and those things that you've been told to put away. The key is, when you realize what Jesus has done for you through His amazing grace, you're going to want to extend that grace to other people. Because it's nothing that you've done, it's what He's done for you. You'll want to extend that to others. When you're alive in Christ, there's no room left for that dead stuff. What were people lying about? I don't know. What were they lying to each other about in in Colossae? Paul could have had a lot of things on his mind. He he could have been thinking back to chapter or back to verse five, where he says talks about the sexual immorality and and evil desires, and maybe they were lying to each other, saying, "Oh no, I, I don't have those. I don't do that. I don't have those desires. That's that's not me." Maybe he was talking about verse eight with the anger and the slander, and they were lying to each other. I mean, you can, you can hide that stuff for a while, right? You can pretend that's not there, and you can put on a good face and pretend that that's not there. Do you know what the biggest lie told in church every Sunday is? The biggest lie told in every church every Sunday? It's two words. I'm fine. The biggest lie told in church Every Sunday. How are you doing? I'm fine. We hide the stuff that's hurt us all week. We hide the stuff that's, that's tortured us. The stuff that we've been fighting. The stuff we've been suffering through. And we simply say, I'm fine. Have you heard that? Have you said that? My hand's up. I've lied to you before. I'm fine. We're called out together. 
we're called to take care of each other. We're called to provide for each other. We're called to bless each other. And we can't do that if we're lying to each other. We can't do that if we're lying to each other. It's okay to say, I'm not fine. Is what's living in me bringing life to what we do together? Is what we experience here ruled by who I used to be or who I should have put away? Is what we do here ruled by who I used to be or who I should be in Christ? Is it ruled by what I have put to death or taken off? Or is it ruled by what I will allow in other people, what I will tolerate in other people, and what I won't let go of in myself? We come to verse 11. And he says here, and the here that he has in mind there in verse 11, it's here, it's the church, it's here, it's the kingdom, it's here, it's even here, my heart. It's, the, it's, it's our here. <laughs> he says here, there is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Now he's just listed in that one verse every line of division and privilege that anyone could have claimed. Every line that tells you who's in and who is out. Jews and Greeks, they both claimed national privilege. If you're not one of us, you're below us. Circumcised, uncircumcised. We're clean before the Lord, and you're not. You are unclean. We're approved. You are not. Barbarians, Scythians, those were the outsiders. Those are the those are people we don't even talk about, barbarians. You know, those, are the, those are the people who are way outside. They are the lowest of the low. Slave or free, he's saying none of it matters anymore. All that matters is Christ. Christ is, in, Christ is all and Christ is in all. Now what does that look like here in a church? And what does that look like here in your heart? What's that look like when it's lived out in your attitude? What's that look like when it's lived out in community and when it's lived out in new life? There's a lot of this stuff in this passage that confronts us. There's a lot of stuff here that, that needs to be killed and a lot of stuff we need to put away. But the ultimate goal isn't just holiness. It's unity. It's that Christ is all and is in all. And by putting this stuff to death, we are now able to accept each other, to love each other, to forgive each other, and to say, you know what, if you're not fine, that's okay, because I'm not fine either. Let's be not fine together. I love that he mentions Scythians. The, uh, that he throws in Scythians there. He mentions barbarians and Scythians. Barbarians, I mean, those were... It's kind of funny how they came up with... You know, we use the word barbarians. It, it was... Um, uh, it was a slang term for the Greeks. If you spoke a, a language besides Greeks and the Greeks couldn't understand you, they would make fun of you and they'd say, bar, 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 bar. You know, they couldn't understand your language. If you're speaking Hebrew or if you're speaking Egyptian or whatever, they'd just say, bar, 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 bar. And, and we took that and we be, it became barbarians, right? Can you imagine people making fun of you because they can't understand what you're saying? It's just awful. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. And then there's the Scythians. And of all the barbarians, the Scythians were the worst of the barbarians. And, and it's, not even like, it's not even like there were Scythians in Colossae. Scythians were boogeymen. 
okay? When you wanted to tell your kids scary stories to, before bedtime so they'd stay awake all night, you'd tell them about the Scythians. You'd tell them the Scythians were going to come get you. These guys were awful. Scythians, after battle, Scythians would celebrate their wins by drinking the blood of their enemies and they would cut off their heads and use them as trophies. You did not want Scythians on your church softball team. Okay? Bad idea. But Paul throws them in here. And I wonder if he mentions them because he's saying, it's kind of a way of saying, you know, if we'll accept Scythians, we'll accept you. (laughs) We'll take a Scythian. We're probably going to get along with you okay as well. More to the point, in our commitment to Christ and our commitment to each other, I won't be satisfied if I'm still defining you in some other way besides Christian. I won't be satisfied if I'm defining you in the way that you're different from me. I won't be satisfied with my faith until I can see Christ in you and you can see Christ in me. That's the goal. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we have to admit to you we have to confess there's a lot of stuff that we've allowed to live in our lives and occupy our minds, occupy our times, and, and occupy our hearts. Stuff that we should have killed a long time ago and stuff that, we should have, stuff that we should have put away because this is not the season to be clothed with those things. Father, I know that You meet us with Your grace. I, I know that as flawed as we are and as imperfect as we are, You still love us and that the blood of Christ covers over a multitude of sins and and takes care of everything. But Father, would You, beyond just giving us grace to be forgiven, would You give us grace to be healed of these things? Would You give us the strength that we need to put to death those things that do not belong represented in the body of Christ? Would You give us the strength to put away those things that cause division, those things that cause hurt, those things that cause people to keep from being honest about who they are and what they're suffering. Father, I, I pray for a church full of people who aren't fine so that we can learn to be fine together. And Father, would you, be, would you help us to be the kind of loving and accepting people who, uh, who care for each other, who bless each other, and who see Jesus in each other? And help us to be Jesus for each other. Help us to have that kind of love. Thank you for loving us in that way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.